So please follow along with me as I read from God's word, Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the burden up from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government of peace and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate, commission, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. God bless the reading of his word. It's always a joy to worship together and to sing praises to the Lord. And it's also a good time of the year to do that as we anticipate the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Advent season being preparation for that. And so for the four Sundays of Advent, I'm going to use the verse that Chalky read for us from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and uh, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those four titles uh, from the prophet Isaiah speak of the one who was to come, the child of Bethlehem. And it's clear if you look at the context, uh, if you go back in Isaiah to Isaiah chapter 7, there is that prophecy of the virgin who will conceive, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. And uh, then as you move forward, the context in chapter uh, 9, chapter 8, talks about the, the despondencies, the difficulties, the hardship that the children of Israel were facing. And in verse 19 of chapter uh, 8, we read, When men tell you to commit consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimonies, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. And then it goes on and talks about uh, the people living in darkness. In verse 21, it says, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. And they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. It's a pretty dark picture. And as I was reading that, I reflected on some of the, the kind of spirit that we live in today, being looking around the world and saying, you know, things are kind of dark and dim. 
But then in chapter 9, the, the tables turn, and it says in the, the text that was read, uh, the people who were walking in darkness have now seen light. Those who were uh, depressed are now in the shadow of death are, see their joy increased and they rejoice. And those who were de, you know, f- f- feeling defeated now have a sense of victory. And that all leads up to the text that we're looking at in chapter 9, verses uh, 2 through 7. This morning we're going to look at the first of those titles, Wonderful Counselor. Some counsel isn't all that wonderful. I saw some cowboy wisdom. Don't squat on your spurs. Don't kick cow chips on a hot day. Timing has a lot to do with the outcome of a rain dance. Got to think about that one, right? Don't name a pig you plan to eat. I was with uh, Brian and Stacy, and I realized that uh, that's not true, true at their house because Rustin uh, commented as we were eating the meat, is this, and he named the animal. Uh, so obviously uh, at the foil house, that's not applicable. Advice is like an armpit. Everyone has some and they stink. I don't know whether you've had an experience with a counselor or not. Both Mary and I have. Mary, when we lived in Illinois and Libertyville, uh, she worked for Arlington Counseling, which was a Christian counseling agency. And she was the bookkeeper and the front desk person and the one who handled a lot of the intake. And part of the requirements for being employed by Arlington Counseling was that she was required to go through counseling. And she thought, well, what do I have to deal with. I don't have anything that a real issue. But she soon began, became aware as she went into counseling that, yeah, there are, there are some issues that all of us face. And uh, I also, during a time of difficulty, uh, because of her connection through Arlington Counseling, uh, was recommended to attend a, a counseling. And so for uh, several months, I went weekly to uh, a counselor and found it to be of value to deal with some of the challenges that I was facing in my own life. But I wouldn't necessarily say that my counselor was wonderful. Uh, I think as we think about going to counseling, uh, what is it that makes uh, a counsel, counseling wonderful? And especially as we think about what this text says, Jesus, uh, the baby who was born in Bethlehem is a wonderful counselor. The, the question is, what is it that makes Jesus, this baby who was born and we celebrate his birth, what makes him a wonderful counselor? Well, let me just share what I think a couple of things that would qualify Jesus to be a wonderful counselor. First of all, he knows you. He knows you. Throughout the Old Testament, it's quite clear that the God of the universe is one who has created us and knows all about us. And if Jesus indeed is 
uh, the Almighty God, as we'll see next week, then he is the one who was uh, involved in our creation. And so when the psalmist says in Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know where I sit and where I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my lips, you know it completely, O Lord. When I went to the counselor, one of the things that he did is to have me take a whole battery of tests. And the reason for that is he was trying to figure out who I was and uh, my temperament, my personality, and all that kind of stuff. And so he had these long sheets of questions that I, I, I answered. If Jesus is the Almighty God, then what we read of him in Psalm 139 is that he doesn't need to use those kinds of tools. He knows us. He knows us intimately. You remember in the New Testament when Jesus began his ministry, uh, he began to call his disciples, and Philip and the others said, where are you staying? And they came and, and, stay, uh, and he said, uh, come and see. And then they went and told Nathaniel. Uh, that they had met the Messiah, and he says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And when Jesus met him, he says, uh, before you, uh, how do you know who I am? And Jesus said, before I, 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 you know, I met you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel was amazed by the fact that even though Jesus uh, had never met him before, he knew all about him. Matthew 10 Verse 30, Jesus said that the very hairs on our head are numbered. Jesus knows us. Not only that, but he's experienced through the incarnation all that we have uh, experienced. It says that he was tempted or tested in all points like we are, and yet without sin. He knows not only by uh, knowledge, but by experience what human life is like. So there's nothing that you go through, nothing that you experience that he is not aware of and knows all about. He identifies with your pain. He knows you. He knows your name. There's a song I ran into that I think is so helpful in kind of laying this out for us. He counts the stars one and all and knows how much sand is on the shores. He sees every sparrow that falls. He made the mountains and the seas. He's in control of everything, of all creatures, great and small. And he knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, he knows my name. When I'm overwhelmed by pain and can't see the light of day, I know I'll be just fine because he knows my name. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I can't tell you what's in store. I don't know a lot of things. I don't have all the answers to the questions of my life. But I know in whom I have believed. He knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, he knows my name. And when I'm overwhelmed by pain, can't see the light of day, I know I'll be just fine because he knows my name. 
He knew who I was when he carried my cross. He knew that I would fail him, but he took the loss. He knows my name, every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry. He knows my name. When I'm overwhelmed by the pain and can't see the light of day, I know I'll be just fine because he knows my name. That makes a wonderful counselor. Somebody who knows us so intimately, somebody who is aware of every uh, weakness, pain, sorrow, bumps in the road that we experience. And he knows us intimately. So he is qualified to be the one who is a wonderful counselor. Not only that, but he loves you. Counselors oftentimes go into the profession uh, because it's a job. It's something that they're good at professionally. So they're a bit detached. In fact, sometimes they're taught to be detached so they don't get so wrapped up in this stuff. Detached and, and distant. But the scriptures make it abundantly clear that Jesus is a wonderful counselor because he loves us intimately and emphatically. He can be empathetic with all that we go through. You know, you know, read through the New Testament and you find that again and again. Jesus said in John 3.16, that verse we know so well, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. God loves us as a part of that world. Because he loved us so much, he came. And that's what we're celebrating during this season of the year is that this one who loves us loved us enough to leave the splendors of heaven's glory and enter into our world and live in our reality. And so the, the incarnation is tied up with what he came to do, and that is what he did on the cross in terms of salvation by offering himself because of, of his love for us. John, 1 John 4.10, he says, God loved us so much that he sent his son to be a sacrifice for us to give his life on our behalf. Romans, the Apostle Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, what love he has for us. He knows you. He loves you. And then he wants to be your guide and to help you. In the book of Hebrews, we read that he came that we might receive mercy and find grace in, uh, to help us in our time of need. He came to be one who could help us through whatever circumstances we face. The psalmist often reflects that fact that the Lord is there as our helper. Psalm 16, verse 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, he instructs my heart. Verse 10, he says, You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy at your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Stop and think about this for a moment. He knows you, he loves you, and he wants to guide you in the path 
that will be right for you. Psalm 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you and guide you with my eye. The baby in Bethlehem has promised to do that. Psalm 73, verses 23 and 24, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me to glory. If you've gone to a counselor sometime, you listen to their counsel and you wonder, is it good counsel? Does this counselor really understand me? Does he really know me? Does he have my best interest at heart? Does he care about me? And the psalmist says that he will guide you with his counsel. Isaiah 42, verse 16, I will lead the blind by way they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. Isaiah 58, 11, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. He, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. If you hear the counsel and the guidance of this baby from Bethlehem and you listen to it, the scriptures make it abundantly clear that he will guide you in a way in which your life becomes a well-watered garden. There may be those hard times, there may be those difficult times, but what he is saying is that he will sustain you through that. And it's interesting that in this same text in Isaiah that we're looking at, if you move forward a few chapters to chapter 11, he again refers to the uh, kind of a prophecy that we often use in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and following, he says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. We know that this idea of the spirit of counsel and power is related to the baby in Bethlehem because when you go to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus begins his public ministry, Matthew says of him, when Jesus heard that John was being put in prison, he returned to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went up and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea along the Jordan Galilee to the Gentiles. In the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He uses that prophecy from Isaiah chapter uh, 9 that we're talking about here this morning. The spirit, the spirit of counsel and power. When Jesus was here upon this earth, he proved himself to be a wonderful counselor. But you say, yeah, but he left. 
But if you look at the text in John chapter 14 and 15, he begins to talk about the fact that when he leaves, he's not going to leave us alone, but it says very clearly, I will leave you a paraclete. I will leave you a wonderful counselor. That counselor is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, who he, in, uh, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, came to dwell and to be within us. And so we have the, the words of Jesus. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's the spirit of Christ. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. And it says, he will speak of me, Jesus said. Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weaknesses, We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us and groans with words that cannot be expressed. He didn't leave us alone. In his coming, he released the presence of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to indwell us and to be our guide and our counselor. There's a variety of hymns that speak of his guidance and his help. Having grown up listening to a lot of those hymns, they're kind of embedded in my brain. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us. For we need your help us on our way. Gentle shepherd, come and feed us. For we need your strength from day to day. There's no other we can turn to who can help us face another day. How about this one? All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord lead me home. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Wonderful counselor. Will you let him be your wonderful counselor? Will you let him be your guide and comfort and help you? Oftentimes when we need help and we should really go to a counselor, we kind of resist. And it's the same thing when we think about this wonderful counselor. Someone has said, each of us is an innkeeper who decides if we have enough room for Jesus. Jesus is a wonderful counselor with wisdom to guide and to give you the life you were intended to live. He says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In James, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind. 
Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Jesus came from heaven to earth to be your counselor. Now all you need to do is to come to him. Ben Franklin said, he who won't be counseled can't be helped. I don't care how wonderful counselor Jesus is. If we're not willing to come to him and acknowledge him as our wonderful counselor and to receive the advice and the guidance that he wants to give us, then his work on our behalf is worthless. William Elgar said, We give advice by the bucketfuls, but we take it by the little grains. And I think in all of our lives, we recognize that even though he is the wonderful counselor, we get in the way and we want to direct our own lives. We really don't want to listen to that counselor. But Jesus says, if you'll come to me, submit to me, let go of the reins. I will guide you. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. I trust this morning that you've examined the evidence of Jesus and can accept the title that he has taken to be the wonderful counselor and that he is the one who will be the wonderful counselor in your life. He knows you. He knows where you're at. He knows what's going on. He loves you. And he says, I want to be your guide. I want to give you wise counsel. Will you take it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for reminding us again that you are the one who can satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. You are the one who can guide us in the paths that are right for us, that we might experience all of life that you intended for us to experience. So we thank you for being the wonderful counselor. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your willingness to be the guide and director of our lives. May we submit to your guidance. In Christ's name, amen. May the Lord steady your feet when the world tries to rock and shake your faith. When materialism beckons with coy hands, steady our feet, Lord. When lust chashes within, steady our feet. When fear tugs at our knees, steady our faith. Show us your goodness and steady our hearts in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.